<laughs> if y'all weren't laughing, I could do it. <laughs> Welcome to the Reimagined Podcast, a podcast that seeks to reimagine faith and life and community as we link, learn, and live together. I'm Greg English, along with Brad Hoffman and Brian Dupuy. Today, on episode 26, we have a conversation about mental toughness. In times of unknown, disappointments, and new realities and goals, how do we reimagine our focus and mental toughness? Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Hello again. Hey. Hey. Howdy, howdy. What's happening? It's a quick drop off there of the music. Sorry about that. There you go. Talk to our producer there and the board. Hey. <laughs> Stay focused. Mm-hmm. Stay, focused. Stay focused. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so yesterday was a good day for me uh, because, as you recall, several episodes ago, I shared the story of snapping my driver uh, off the first tee. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Remember that? I remember that? Yeah, remember that? Well, In a fit of rage. Yeah, no, just yeah, pure, no, just pure muscle coming <laughs> yeah, out in front right. of the two boys. That's right. That's, that's, right. <laughs> that's what us dads do, and that day's coming for you, Brian. Yeah, <laughs> one day. Yep, one, one day. day. Yep. So yesterday, I was able to go with a friend, and just a real special treat. I mean, I just I smiled the whole time. But I went and met some. I've never done this. I went and met a PGA club fitting professional, and what they do is they die. They, they they diagnose like you need this kind of shaft. Is it a flexible shaft, a short shaft, long shaft? What kind of head on your driver do you want versus your swing and different things like that? How okay. you swing the club, how you how you move your weight forward and this kind of stuff. So just fascinating. But we pulled up to the driving area, driving range area where it was. That and was it the putt putt golf? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Come on now. Give, give me some credit. I'm trying to tell the story. <laughs> Uh, but I remember putt putt golf on Sunday afternoons. Oh, the the putt putt championships. It was so quiet. They one bank in the hole. Right. Mm. That's go. a side note. That's Back to the driving side. range. That's wow. Right. <laughs> Back to the driving range. You're listening to the first tee. <laughs> oh, oh, there you go. First tee. So I show up and I'm I'm and I'm thinking that's you know five o'clock in the afternoon and there's like fifteen people on the driving range and he's standing in the middle with all these clubs with a location just for me and my friend to go work in, in the middle of everybody. Mm. I'm thinking, this is going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> Someone will get hit with a slice. I'll probably be sweating. I'm so nervous, you know, and oh, shank yeah. it here yeah. and there and just yeah. really created a disaster zone. But anyhow, it worked out great. I didn't shank nor slice and walked away with a new driver. It was so wonderful. Did, do they, like, scan you for that? Oh, or listen, how does no, this work? He put, so I'm standing there, and I'm swinging this driver. And behind me is this monitor. It measures my swing speed. It's, it measures the flight of the ball and the trajectory. And, and it also measure, measures is the ball forward spinning or backward spinning. Right. Because yeah. you, want, you want the most out of it going forward. And what kind of loft or degree do you want on your club? So for me, because my weight, my weight back to front is uh, due to just my uh, my surgeries. Your age, yeah. Okay, <laughs> we'll go that way. Due to my age, I'm I'm all upper body. Just leave it at that, right? So yeah, I'm swinging yeah. upper body. So my my loft, you know, is 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 a little lower than other people's to keep that trajectory and all that. Just so they have all, and they know the swing speed. They know everything. It's crazy what they know. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's yeah. neat. Wow. That's neat. Yeah. It was crazy. And the amazing thing, he goes, I'll be right back. And he shows up with the club that he, you and he together decided this is the best fit, feel, form, shot. And 10 minutes later, he's made it, and it's right there in your hands. Wow. Oh, see? I like that. Yeah. There's a lot of opportunity for shame in that because if you get out there 
and you're just <laughs> you're just shanking it and topping it. You're like, how can this be? There's no explanation. It's me. So, I am broken no, on the inside. He ne- so the, the funny thing was, and I think this is the salesmanship. He never told me one time my swing was bad. He kept telling me, that's not the club for you. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, I like you. I like yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> I like that approach. That's, that's right. good. That's, that's just that's not good. the club for me. Yeah. Next time your wife comes out I'm and says, do you like this dress? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's not the dress that's for you. you. <laughs> hey, and then the club comes let's, out let's on know you. know how yeah. that works for you. So that's uh, it took mental focus to do that. Though. That's a cool experience, though. Oh, it was great. I smiled the whole time. It was just, I've never done that. No, I've never have either. I so. mean, but I had a friend who wanted to do it, and I'm glad we did it. Closest thing for me is Top Golf. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> yes, that's yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah, they do the uh, well, measurements I'll, on there. I'll, I will go to Top Golf with you, and just now with my new driver, and just wear you out. Oh, you would, you would, yeah. absolutely. Bouncing At least that's what the, the new driver is making me feel like. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Isn't that the goal? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Separate case just for the driver. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm picturing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 ah enough about me how you doing yeah, yeah 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 well good uh yeah i got nothing <laughs> speaking of scans i had a i had my physical <laughs> similar process yeah yeah. 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 yeah yeah he told me this is not the body for you so, uh, that's uh yeah Oh, that's too good. Yeah, that's yeah. too good. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you can't I, top that, no, man. I'm, no, I'm not even going to ask you. <laughs> don't even. Don't even. Well, speaking of bodies. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's just move on with it. That's right. There you go. There you go. Hey, I really am excited about today's show, uh, especially uh, we're going to welcome Brian Hyde. Brian is a U.S. Olympian, runner in, uh, runner in the 1996 Atlanta Games in the 1500. And from an early age growing up in Michigan, Brian was uh, participating at the national level before entering the College of William & Mary, where he uh, ran track on scholarship there. And also he held the NCAA collegiate record for 17 years uh, in the 1500. And so that's pretty cool, too. But he also competed in the world championships in 1995 as a top top runner and even has his picture on the front of a book uh, that you can see as well. But there's some great stories about mental toughness among the world championship games. And so we're going to kind of dive into that today. Brian uh, continues his passion for track as a trainer and a coach. And he and his wife, Jen, have two children, and they own and operate a performance and physical therapy business here in the area. So welcome to the podcast, Brian. Thank you. Now listen to the Olympic sounds. (laughs) (laughs) I imagine this has to go through your head as you're running, right? (laughs) Turn it up. Just just the soundtrack of your life. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just a great feel. I'm, a, I'm about to take off. Yeah. It's something. I mean, uh, I just I want younger. to talk about it. Just you wearing the apparel and how yeah. that, how that felt. You know, and, and I was thinking, yeah. what's neat about you joining us as we sit here at this table, and I've thought about this several times. Um, it's a unique conversation because you've reached a level of competition that very few a small percentage will ever reach. Uh, to me, that's, yeah. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a level that we, that we can't comprehend. And so I think today with the, the discussion of mental toughness and, and focus and discipline, I mean, it's a deep dive into that. So uh, it's just, it's neat for me to, to, you know, have our friendship and, and 
but I still am in awe that the fact that very few. So congratulations. Well, thank you. Thank you. My my brother used to ride his bike and sing that song to me. Oh, but yeah. Not, not that exact <laughs> Was one. he behind you or in front of you? I was kind of in front of me. It's, it's something I don't really tell people. But he <laughs> yeah. Did that. yeah. It was great. That was my older brother. Oh, <laughs> it was, man. Yeah, it was like the Rocky stuff. I mean, that's it was, cool. It was, yeah. That is. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Not so, always, but he did that. Yeah. yeah. Again. Thanks, thanks Eric. Um, <laughs> so what, what would you say just to start off with, I mean, what would you say or define mental toughness as? Well, it was interesting cause it's not that I'd really thought about that in a while. So I looking up definitions again and they're all kind of similar than I have mine, but just as a basis, you know, mental toughness, the ability to be resilient against unexpected stressors, it's the ability to stay strong and function well in the face of doubt, anxiety, unexpected turns of events they're outside your control. All of those are kind of like that. I define it more as it's deciding, uh, you make a decision to commit to a goal, you be persistent, determined, and focused in pursuit of that goal with an unbreakable belief that you can do it in the face of circumstances and voices that tell you you can't do it, mm-hmm. including the big voice in your head, mm-hmm. right? It, that's kind of the definition that I kind of start with more of the elements yeah. of it. But I, yeah. I, th- I think that goes a lot into it. So there's a lot of athletes that talk about mental toughness. And in some of their conversations, you, you hear, you know, what, what they think about it. There's a, a former uh, Olympic gold medalist, uh, including uh, nine, nine winner, nine-time winner, Pavo Nermi, known as the Flying Finn. And he said it this way. He said that to him, the mind is everything. Muscle is just like pieces of rubber. And he would say, all that I am, I am because of my mind. And so you've always heard it been said that uh, from an athlete's perspective, 90% is mental, 10% is physical. Do you agree, disagree, or have a combination of both? I, I agree totally. And when I was young, it was Jack Nicholas. Of course, he only said golf was 75% mental, apparently. But I agree with that completely. And I, I know that ultimately, just as an athlete, when I was competing – that I'm pretty certain there are, I beat plenty of people that were physically more gifted, but perhaps I believed a little bit more or, mm-hmm. or was able mm-hmm. to, to draw on something that um, either they didn't have or not that I wasn't blessed. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but there is there is a lot to that. Yeah. What age were you when you started running? Uh, my first real competition, of course, my track career started at field days. And they didn't run it like they do now. It was a real track meet. And, you know, by first grade, I was pretty much the fastest kid in the school, you know, winning. You could win six blue ribbons, and I did that. That was pretty special. But in fourth grade, they had Hershey track and field. And it was really the first time. I ran 400 meters for the first time, um, made it to the state level. Second time I ran 400 meters, I set the state record. Mm. And then I go to nationals where the song you were playing with uh, Chariots of Fire, first time I saw Chariots of Fire, uh, it, I mean, that turned me on. I, mean, I, was, I was always using, you know, my speed helped in a lot of the sports that I, I competed in at the time. And, but that was my first, first uh, taste of it, and I liked it, mm. you know. So yeah. It, yeah. it just it kind of grew from there. Do you think mental toughness uh, was, a, was a part of that uh, early on? Uh, yeah, you, you kind of grow into that? I, People develop that in you? I, well, this is what I was talking about. This, this, this to me almost perfectly defines it. Is this poem "Think and Grow Rich" that that I've had on my had on my my wall since I was in first grade, all through high school, 
think and grow rich. And I'll skip to the end when it's like it's the man who thinks he can. That's who's the one that's going to win. And and that's ultimately I believed in that, or I also believed always someone's going to win. It might as well be me. <laughs> so, yeah, hey. so, and, and I, and I like somebody to, is that's true. Yeah, I, I like to win. I mean, I was competitive. You know, um, maybe too much so at times. You know, of wanting to do that, but. But yeah, I think you can you can learn it. But really, I didn't. I don't know that I thought of it ever as mental toughness. Yeah, you know necessarily. But but this this poem was one of my first big influences on on that. And then the I had a tremendous middle school high school coach that he he just preached uh, mental focus and and the mental part of competition like nobody else that I've had in any other sport or any other other coach. He, he did that, and of course, he coached me for seven years, so that was a big part of how I developed. And he was sixth grade, you know, that's when, mm. when he came into, into yeah. my life. So. Wow. So, so, when he's talking about mental focus, I mean, are we talking about things like visualization, rest, I mean, focus, preparedness? You mentioned goal setting previously, self talk, confidence. I mean, is that kind of the things that you hear in the conversation of mental toughness? Absolutely. Um, sort of the preparation meets determination of the, uh, I'm not going to quit. I, I think you fundamentally have to have a belief that you can do it. Mm-hmm. If you don't believe you can do it, it's just not going to happen. No. Um, and unfortunately there are going to be a lot of people telling you, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. You just got to be tone deaf to that. Yeah, right. <laughs> you just got to <laughs> shut that out. And, and, uh, absolutely. And we'd spend a lot of time. I mean, I would race plan it out. I mean, there, I got, would get so good. I would write down the times that I was going to run in the five, you know, cross country or, you know, in high school, you know, I draw little pictures, three guys finishing fourth or t- and I'd be here at the right time. That would mm-hmm. be what would end up running. Uh, we spent a lot of time on it. I spent a lot of time on it. Um, I, I, I think it was a huge uh, part of my success was how much time I did focus on that. And that was taught to me, you know, that part. I mean, I do think that, that I had more of a higher level of pain tolerance <laughs> But I think it was just my more my approach early on was I figured out uh, if you're going to have success running anyway, <clears throat> you have to get outside of your comfort zone. And it's going to hurt. It's going to be uncomfortable. That's just part of it. So then once you accept that, you know that's part of it. Now it's just about racing. I'm not focused on that. I'm focused on the competition. Um, not that it's, it's going to hurt. I mean, that's a given um, if you're going to if you're going to excel and continue to do it so that was a big that was a big part of it but I I would say it was more drilled into me um and then there was a a part of me that you know knew it and and I believed it Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean in the end I have to I if you don't believe it um because there were times where things weren't going well and I'd have to lie to myself how well they were going Mm -hmm. you know sort of fake it till you make it almost to a degree but I prepared I did all of the things of course he drilled this into us as well you control all the things you can control because there's a whole bunch you can't. Mm-hmm. But so don't leave things to chance. Take care of what you can. I mean, get to bed, eat right. You know, do all the things that you need to to move forward on that. And the more prepared you are, and I I knew I was prepared going into to anything. If I wasn't, I pro- maybe I wouldn't have believed as much um, <clears throat> that I could do it. But you know, I I thought I could do anything really. So preparation leads to confidence. Yeah, I think that's a that that, that is a, a a huge part of it. Well, I think it's it's skill. You have a skill. Yeah, you have a love for it. Mm-hmm. So there's a passion that you have for it. 
there is this development phase where it's not that you just go out and run once a week. I mean, you are training, you're investing time and you're working, but the visualization, the times that you're writing down that you're wanting to achieve and get to. So there's an, there's, I don't know, you call it, there's just this deep dive into that whole thing as well. But question for you that, mm-hmm. that I was thinking about, how do you turn off the negative voices? Now, realizing that sometimes it's your voice in your own head you have to turn off, but sometimes they're the voices that are around you. How did you do that? Some of it, I think, um, in this, um, is I wouldn't be around people. (laughs) 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 My coach would also say this, don't be around whiners and complainers. Mm, you okay. Know, don't 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 hang with, choose your choose, choose, audience. Choose who you are um, yeah. <laughs> with with some of that. But it was the writing things down. It was committing. I made a decision, a deliberate decision to do something. And so, if I had committed to something, I was going to do it. Um, and I didn't. It was easier to tone it out. So if you I, lived so the I value. Had a focus. Yeah. And I yeah. did all the things necessary to move towards that at the best that I could could control whether it was going to ultimately happen or not happen, but it wasn't like I just thought, like, I went, and this gets into this, I should read this whole poem to you um, at, at some point here, but th- that's really what it is. If you just think you want to do something, you don't take those actions, but but it's a, a decision. Mm-hmm. It was a deliberate decision to, to, to focus on wh- whatever the goal happened to be, and of course, this was all athletically speaking, but it applies in, in, in other areas, but... sure. That's good. Yeah, that's good. So, so in college, like you were known to go to bed at like seven p.m. Almost. I, I, and all through <laughs> high school, I went to bed at nine o'clock, all the all the way through. In college, ten thirty. They used to call me the preacher man. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, I had to move off campus because just like I mean, they're at college. Like you know, it wasn't. Yeah. I, now I had to get up earlier than a lot of others had to because um, I had to. But I felt that I needed. That rest, mm-hmm. but that was, yeah, that was my nickname. So what were a couple <laughs> of your key disciplines? Like, I mean, rest, obviously, is one. Uh, rest, I would, I would, you know, eat well. Um, but it was it really got into this mental part of, of running the races all over, being prepared for what was going to happen, good or bad. We'd practice falling down, getting up. I mean, you name an element that could happen. And, of course, we, were, we started this. This goes back to Tom, who is my, my middle school, high school. We would do this then. I just continued to do those things. But that mental preparation, there would spend a lot of time. You know, I'd run the races in my head and or breathing exercises. We'd do breathing exercises. That was, that was a physical thing, too. But, um, but it was really that was, came into the mental imagery, always seeing that, that success, no matter if it was fast or slow or however the response was. Um, you know, or, or you know, walk in the course and going. Well, if you're here and it comes down to this, you're faster than anybody. You know, mm-hmm. always everything was always positive. It's I don't I don't know that you can have a lot of mental toughness if your glass is always half empty. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I, I got you yeah. know you you got to you you have to believe it that you can do it. And, and there are there's a lot of things that always happen, setbacks along the way, people telling you. I mean. I remember how dad, my, my dad got really mad. I was being recruited by a school in Michigan, that their alma mater. And the coach there, he knew I wasn't going to go there. Anyway, he kind of like, that kid's not going to develop into anything, right? Mm. He was so mad. And I was like, I mean, there's voices out there, right. you know, like that. And, and you know, 
I, I just have the ability to just tune things out. My wife would tell you I'm very good at tuning things out. <laughs> 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 you know, if I'm watching, if that's I'm a watching, skill, man. That's yeah. a skill you it's develop, a male, right? It's a yeah. male tell skill, us more. But, but <laughs> I, have, I have mastered this of, of being able to focus on something. I, yeah. you know, it's not like ignoring something. I'm just focused, yeah. and yeah. you know. And, you know, I do this to this day. I'll go out for runs. I love that time with my – I mean, I like myself. You know, I, I can have conversation. You know, you, yeah. you work all that out. That's what I always found with that. And, of course, I'm still going back and winning medals I didn't win. <laughs> doing things like – doing those yeah. types of things. And um, but, but really, I would write everything down. I mean, I wrote down in middle school three goals. I want to break four minutes. I wanted to make the Olympic team. And I want to be world class. I don't actually know what that necessarily was. I just want to be in the top ten. You know, I wanted to be. So that was in middle school. Well, eventually I kind of did all those things. It just took a long time. I wanted to break four minutes in high school. I didn't. I was four ten. That wasn't. Mm. I wasn't, wasn't close there. But eventually I, I did those. But some of those were long term goals, and then the intermediate. But I found my focus was better when when I written it down, and I was because I, I was making that decision and that commitment that that this is what I'm going to do. So then some of that noise, it was more, I'm going to do this, you know. And, um, and, there were, and I had a lot of setbacks. I mean, I, there, I always had an injury in one of the three seasons every year. Some was just a recurring thing. Uh, you know, one time I'm about to have this huge breakthrough and a, indoors at George Mason, and I'll probably run 357 as a sophomore, which has been awesome. I didn't do that for several years later. I'm focused in. I've only had two races like this ever in my life, and this would have been the third one. And I'm, I'm just, I'm dialed in on this guy who runs, ends up running 3:55, and we got uh, less, almost a quarter to go. Well, the the time before, someone has stepped on one of those rails that you know the inside, so you don't run mm-hmm. on this. What well, rolled into lane one? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm I'm not looking at that. I know where I am on the track. <laughs> well, I step on that and I fall. And so instead of running like 357, you know, first time breaking four minutes, probably just like a huge breakthrough, I fall, I hurt my shoulder bad. Mm. My coach even saw it in there. He's like, ah, he's like, he should have done something, right? right. But, <laughs> but that was just another setback and that's something. So I always had these things um, that, that would always, and it was never smooth. And, um, but it was the day after day commitment, dedication. I, I don't have that now i mean i don't have that one thing that i'm that singularly focused on there's just more life happening and mm-hmm. things where you you focus on that was it was a simpler time mm-hmm. in a way to have that one singular focus for almost everything nothing else really mattered um at that at that time that was the most important thing to me so it was maybe easier to be focused in on that particular goal but I'd write other goals, you know, be nicer to the slower kids on the team and things like that. You know, I mean, they're in development. Well, that was kind of you. As you run past them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that was my high school coach influence again. So it wasn't always just about I thought, you know, sometimes it was go to church more with my mom. Like, and, you know, that was one of my high school, my senior year. I pulled that out the other day. I still have those were that was one of my goals. Go to church more with my mom. You know, so there so there were a lot of things, but I was making a commitment. You know, I was. I was saying, I'm going to do these things. And if I wrote it down and I really made a commitment, those are the things that I accomplished. I, I'm not always that disciplined, and I'll find if I really get focused on something now, well, I can do that. But, um, it, you know, I don't know if that part is really being that 
that mentally tough. Nowadays, my wife is the mentally tough one. <laughs> yeah, Not but it's but it's then. articulating your value and or the things that you value, and I think that's that's huge. I mean, you've got to be able to have that in front of you and have to keep being reminded of that. You can't just say once I'm going to do this. You've got to continue to do that. I mean, you can, can you remind yourself. So that's cool. That's good stuff. Definitely. So who was the greatest influence? Well, it, well, there's really four influences. One was a person because um, it, it started so early. Mm-hmm. So one is this poem, Think and Grow Rich. And I got to tell you, this is a, this is a poem to live by. Um, I, I think this has everything. If you think you're beaten, you are. If you think you dare not, you don't. If you like the wind, but you think you can't, it's almost certain you won't. I'll skip down to the end. Life's battles don't always go to the stronger or faster man, but sooner or late, the man who wins is the man who thinks he can. This is what was on my wall for all of those years. I still have the original. This is mm-hmm. you're seeing a copy of this. I forgot I was two days early for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's how excited I was. I know. I, know. I saw. I, I saw that on on yes. Tuesday. Greg can witness. I was like, Greg, look at this. Yeah. Look at this. And my wife still like she's she's a little upset. That's that focused. He was here one. two days two days ahead. Yeah, That's, right. That's exciting. I was That's wondering right. about the sleeping bag here. Yeah, <laughs> Yes, I love I this. Sure. This the podcasts are amazing. So that's <laughs> that's so. This is what I started out. This was my first influence. Then it was Tom Beggero, who was my middle school track coach, but what happened to also be my high school cross country coach. And talk about the influence of one person. Of course, he was a he was um, a strong Catholic, strong believer, and, and, and would teach those other life lessons. Um, some might not be appropriate to share because he had the boys' lessons and the girl lessons. Mm-hmm. So, um, but they they were like this was where he built in or drilled into me the importance of of this visualization. I already had a foundation. I already had the drive. I wanted to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, I I had that part, and then I learned some of these other things that then helped me. And and you know at the time, and he's retired now, but at the time. If you were a state champ, and we had several when I was one of them, and anything above 800 meters, or whether it's cross country or is that, you went to this middle school. I think there's no, I mean, there's a reason, boys or girls, um, that that I was very blessed to have him as uh, as the as a coach, and um, you know, eventually you, you get even a different, like you know, you go to college, and I had to, I had to, again made great decisions and. I just happened to get blessed. He was the coach there. Mm-hmm. I made a choice to go, you know, you had a choice and college decision as it relates to that. So it was this poem, Think and Grow Rich. It was Tom Beggaro and all of his preparation, don't leave things to chance. You know, if they're going to beat you, they're going to pay a price. You know, all of these types of things uh, of to, to drill in what you need to. And then the movie Top Gun. Mm-hmm. I use that always, like, from, from that. In fact, that's why I applied to the Naval Academy, actually, was that movie. It was <laughs> Top Gun. So that had a huge influence. But there are some great yeah. lessons in that movie, right? Mm. The, the one that I would use all the time, and I use this, I was telling about the World Championships, is, <clears throat> you know, in that, that scene where they're in the, good morning, and they're like, oh, great, Viper's up here, best fighter pilot in the world. And Goose is like, oh, great, it's Viper. And Maverick goes, He's probably saying, holy cow, it's Maverick and Goose. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure he's saying that. Well, I would say that all the time when I'd step to the line. I'm at the World Championships. You know, I happen to be on that one cover of that book that's world, it's gold medalist, world champion, number one runner in the world for six years. 
and you know ends up being three time world champ, one of the best all time. Then me, <laughs> then gold medalist <laughs> yeah. on this book of how to train 800 and 1500 meter runners. And then it's written by Peter Coe, Sebastian Coe's dad. Peter Coe, it was you know best 850 or 1500 meter runner in that whole um, century. They decided he was mm. the best. The forward was written by Roger Bannister. So there's probably one person that doesn't belong in there. Yeah. <laughs> and that was me. But at the time, right, this was 95. It gets into the when I really actually felt like I was more mentally tough when I had to draw on that. But that year, that's the collegiate record, all of that on, on fire. On that day when I stepped to the line, you know, here's Norton Morsley, best in the world. I'm standing next to him. And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, He's probably saying, holy crap, it's Brian Hyde. <laughs> and I'm like laughing to myself. But here's the funny thing. Here's the funny thing. The next day, the, in, the, in the cover for the, um, for the guide for the next day track, there's Norty Morsley praying. And I'm looking at him, and I know at that point I was saying that he's probably saying, "Holy cow, it's Brian!" <laughs> but that was how that was how I approached things, yeah. you know, yeah. with that. Now he didn't know who I was. I mean, he's the best in the world. I'm not even really in his class. No, that didn't that didn't matter to me because here's the good part about that story. But it wasn't so great because I could have run smarter. But in the middle of that race where they end up taking this picture, all of a sudden. I mean, I'm running right behind Nordy Morse. It's the three of us, you know, two of the best in the world and me, and I'm in between them. All of a sudden, we run a 53 in the middle of that race. Now, if, you know, if you're not a track person, maybe that doesn't sound that, that's, that's, you know, that's usually how people want to finish the race. Well, so we do that. It was like it was nothing. I was, you know, I'm running my, out of my mind in a way. We come around the final turn, and all of a sudden, Nordy Morsley shifts to another gear. And I'm like, oh, it's on. <laughs> you know, I'm like, no way, just like in there. You better be praying. Yeah, yeah. No <laughs> way to the no danger way, zone. Jester, you're mine, right? Yeah. And I try to shift to another gear that I don't have. And, and, and then, unfortunately, you know, I drop my transmission and I end up fading. <laughs> and, and, and at the very end, I get passed by, actually, a Canadian, uh, one Canadian. And uh, anyway, I don't want to say his name. I don't want to give him too much credit. You know, <laughs> I know this podcast yeah, goes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> millions of people. We are fire hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's what I'm saying. So I don't, I don't want him to get too big. Right. It was big enough. But he beat Cliffs me up the line. Everyone after was like, "Oh, they thought I was in." You know, I thought I was in, so I just slowed down. I didn't. <laughs> I tried to, you know, I tried, to, but I wasn't afraid of him. Right? Yeah. I wasn't afraid. So the next day, too, not only is that there, um, the little him praying, you know, and I know what I was thinking at the time because it's just him and it's me looking at him. That's what's in the cover of this thing. Is all the sweet, you know, I'm walking around, this is in Sweden, and they're like, you're the one that tried to beat Morsley. I was like a hero. You know, that, <laughs> you know unfortunately, it cost me because I could have been you're the a greatest smart. loser we've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I was like a flying nun. <laughs> I was like, the, the, uh, like that thin. So anyway, yeah. but, but that's how I approached everything. Even when, even, I mean, from there, I just had this, I, I wasn't afraid to, just, yeah. you know, I know because I was prepared, I did all of those things and I believed in myself. Um, and, um, you know, I, I didn't go around like some of the sprinters and talk a big, you know, just, I wasn't vocal like that, but I believed that if we stepped in line, I was going to win, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I was going to beat you. I was in a race where he almost set the world record and with 500 to go, I'm thinking I could win this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I finished eight seconds behind him. You, you yeah. know I mean? I, there was never, a, there was never a point um, that that was just, 
I just had that, but I think it was all of this prep, you know, all of the preparation that, you know, that went into it. I think that was a huge part. And so, yes, no question. I think I had a pretty high pain tolerance. I still do, you know, with, with, with certain things, but I think it's cause I meant, I, I don't look at those as obstacles. I look at it different mm-hmm. or I accept, you know, this, but after that great year that I had, you know, and, and I think I'm on that cover in part because of course, look who's on the cover, those two other guys. But at the time, people thought I was really going to do something. And then fast forward to January, this was, you know, late summer as, as things come to a close, and I develop a back injury. We're going into the Olympics, and I come back from world championships. I'm thinking, my head, you, could, you could win, mm-hmm. you know. I, I mean, I, I watched in 92, one of the guys on that book, you know. I mean, off a slow race, he won. Mm-hmm. And um, in championships, you don't have to – be as fast as them because it's a slower, more tactical. So more guys have a legitimate shot. I'm like, I could win. Only I developed this problem that ultimately gets diagnosed that I'm having some swelling in the joints in my spine. But needs to say my muscles in my back would just tighten up. And you can't run very fast when that happens. And so that started in January. I was fighting that the whole time, and and I was blessed to have so many people try to help me figure that out and, and to get there. But from there, it, it took me till three weeks before the trials, the Olympic trials, um, before I broke four minutes again. I'm running races where I'm getting beat by everybody. I mean, it's it's bad. I mean, half mile in every time, boom, and I'm I'm done. Every day, I'm just lying to myself, going, "You're gonna make the Olympic team. You're gonna make the Olympic team. You're gonna do this." I'm saying this over and over. I mean, I probably said I don't know, thousand might even be too little. I mean, I'm repetitive like Mm -hmm. everything is saying this isn't going to happen and and but I still got to keep going I I got to you know stay in shape I got to do all of these things this is where all this preparation all these years everything that I have is right here I don't have time like you have a small window and it's amazing that so many people are able to pull together and so many people that should have been on teams that have an injury like this that don't don't make it that were better than I ever was, but don't make a team because of this. A lot of things have to go right. You know, you control what you can control. There's so much you can't. But so I'm struggling. Like, this is this is the struggle of all struggles. And I told you, I mean, I'm praying. I'm, like, praying. And I'm just, you know, strength. I'm drawing on everything I have, everything that I ever had. So we finally pull it together, right? And back to North Carolina, right, where I ran so fast and set that record. Thank you, UNC. Great track. You know, it was it was awesome. We go to the trials. I almost don't make it out of the first round, uh, you know, and I'm like, well, can't let that happen. So the next time I take the lead and I control that race, you know, make it to the final. Uh, we used to used to do that too. When we would hurt, when I would hurt the worst in a race, that's when I'd get more aggressive. I'd go to the front. Like mm-hmm. if that wasn't my thing. It, it wouldn't be like try to hold on. It'd be like, I got to change my thinking. Right. That was the other thing that he used to say to me all the time, which is really applicable to, you know, your mental state, he'd say, Brian, you got to change your thinking. You, you know, it's got to be different. What, you know, what this is, isn't, isn't working or if it's a negative thought or it's this, um, that was a big one, change your thinking. And so we get there, uh, we're in the final and boom, it goes. And we're coming off the, all of a sudden 200 to go. I'm boxed. I'm in a bad spot. You, you should go back and Google this. They're, they're not even talking about me in the, in, in this, they're announcing it. I'm still a little ticked off because they never did come back and say this. Because, because Change your thing. thinking. Change yeah, your thinking. Yeah. Change your thinking. Here's yeah. the thing. We come off the final turn, and I'm like way out of it. I'm not even in the picture if you watch this. 
man, I run 11-something seconds that last 100, faster than anybody. A couple seconds, I've timed it. I've probably watched it a thousand times. A couple seconds than anybody else. And right at the end, lean. Did I do it? Am I a top three? And I'm lean? A tenth of a second off. I don't make it. <laughs> After all of that, devastated, right? I mean, to come so close. And, and it was, I just got, I got boxed and I, we pulled it together. We're right there. Um, and then, boom. No, you know, he giveth and he taketh away. <laughs> well, yeah. but, but there's still hope because as in, in the Olympics, uh, you know, at least if for the United States, because we, we can send three people, you, it's not just um, that you are in the top three, you have to run a qualifying standard. If, you're, if your country is going to send more than one athlete in the event, they, you know, it's all inclusive. So some country could send somebody that's super slow but wants to run in the mile. Great, they could do it. But if you're going to send more than one athlete, they have to run a certain standard. Well, I had it. A few of us had it, but a lot of, uh, no one else did. So a few other guys had a shot to try to run fast enough to, to qualify because you have to do both. And this isn't, this isn't unique to me. This, there were a few other people that's worked out for it. So in the end, though, they aren't able to run fast enough, and I am on the team. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, so that was like a emotional, emotional yeah, roller coaster. Yeah. I mean, from from the lowest of lows to like, oh, I, you know, did it to then I didn't do it. Now I'm back to doing it. Yeah. And the Olympic experience was unbelievable. I wish everybody had that opportunity. I mean, it's everything you would think think uh, waving the flag. I mean, opening ceremonies. I mean, it's just pumping like waving the flag it's like i didn't even have a flag and i was like i was like i gotta get i go to todd williams i was like todd i got you give me your flag i need some flag waving you know walking it was incredible in my i mean such great people i had breakfast with the women's soccer team this is in 96 they hadn't done anything yet you know and then they go on to do all of that you know you're mia ham you're the coach you know like this and this is they don't you know there's no one else Mm. to sit with so you know there was a lot of great things world you know my my uh roommate won the gold medal in the high jump. Mm. And jokingly, I said to him when he was going out, I was like, yeah, drive your, make sure you drive your, your knee. You know, it's like telling him to breathe, you know. <laughs> and, but then I saw him, the next time I saw him, I didn't see him again. He goes and wins the gold medal. I see him at the White House. He gives me this big hug. He's like, thanks. He's uh, like, you know, as if he needed that. Yeah. And, and I like to believe that, like, you know, when all of these things are, those little reminders, you, you know, I think he was just, you know, I say it like it really made some difference, <laughs> but I'm sure it was, it, you know, it really didn't. But he made a point of saying that. But anyway, great experience, all about it, um, loved it, <clears throat> and that was that was it. But then I was flat after that. It took all of that mental energy, that whole '97. I recovered physically finally, but mentally I just wasn't back. Mm. It took everything I had just to pull it together mm. at, at that time. So, so even even past so. even past your uh, high point, uh, coming entering back into uh, culture, yeah, coming back to a a workspace, coming back into an environment where you went from everybody knowing you to being the high to now just sitting in an office somewhere. Even even that takes mental focus to understand how am I going to work through this. Yeah, and and there was a period when when I retired, and I think everybody might go through this in any any transition, but certainly for athletes. I mean, that was kind of my identity from when I was a kid, at least the athlete. You know, eventually it became where it was all about running because I was playing all kinds of sports and and things, and and that was really it wasn't exactly how I identify myself. That's how everyone else thought of me, but there was a big part of me, or that focus was gone, 
and I was lost for a bit. You know, we, my, my wife got into PT school. We were up in Massachusetts in a small, I don't want to, you yeah. know, say anything bad about the school, but uh, it, it um, not the school, but just the, it, it just was a bad time for me. And my dad had passed away. I hadn't quite recovered from, from where I was physically. And, and my identity was like, you know, changing. It, it, it took a lot, even for that to just, yeah. you know, to kind of refocus and say, well, what are we, what am I going to do now? Um, for, for all that. And some of those things still came, you know, came into play of, of, you know, refocusing and, and thinking about different things. Um, I mean, you know, my, my Indian name, if you can still say Indian is, um, was smiles a lot. So, you know, it, it was still, you know, that kind of, <laughs> that's the that, truth that, yeah. that, yeah. that, I mean, I, I still had to read this poem about things and just, yeah. but just decide, well, what's, what's important now. But that's sort of actually, though, where I struggled when my dad died because I started thinking of all the stuff I had been focused on that whole time. What was the point? You know, what was important? You know, that really wasn't that important. And, and that's the part where I lost. You know, even in that movie, we're like, oh, I lost my edge. He turns in his wings, right, in the mm-hmm. start of that movie. That happened to me. You know, that mental, like, the thing that had, had given, it helped me have the success I had. I mean, I really think I was supposed to be a cowboy, I mean, I'm bow-legged, <laughs> you know, I think, you know, some, I'll have to talk to the Lord about that someday, yeah. but I, you yeah. know, I, I think I was, so I'm not, I mean, I have physical gifts, but I'm not how you probably build the best runner necessarily. We all can't look like Brian. Yeah. 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 Good job by me. Yeah. <laughs> so today, so let me add, so today, yeah. are, you, are you as mentally tough today as you? Not even close. No. Um, in ways, yes. And, and, um. It's just different. I, I think there's times that I am, but it's when I can pinpoint, you know, commit to something, make a decision, and say, I'm going to do this. Because I believe if I do that, that I'm going to be able to do that. But I don't, it's not as, it's just identifying yeah. find that. And it's a little mm-hmm. different because I want to be a great father, great husband, you know, things. But it's, there's other, it's not just me yeah. <laughs> involved. In, it was yeah. simpler as a way, yeah. like when I was just an athlete. Like that's not, in a lot of ways, that was easier. Um, not, I mean, it just was. Um, but now there's a lot of different things going on, and there's more even responsibility. I mean, at that point, you know, I, I had none. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so when you, no you think about mental toughness or, or, or a, let's say, a mindset, what are some of the, the theological foundations of mental toughness and as we kind of look at some of the takeaways, look at look at the story that come out. What are some things that jump out from a framework? <laughs> so you're looking at me. I am. <laughs> yep. Look at the theology. Well, you know, something you said, Brian, that um, I've been thinking about the whole time. I've been listening to you, but I've been thinking about it the whole time. You made a comment about you liked yourself. And I think <laughs> I think that has a whole play, a huge play into mental toughness. I mean, if you think about this, you're creating the image of God. God made you and created you. You're an image bearer. And I think from the standpoint of there, you should like, it's not that you, you know, I, I, you can get extreme on those kind of things, but I do think there is um, your ability to like yourself plays out in how you like others and deal with this and love. So I think that's a huge piece, you know. The other is perseverance. And Scripture speaks a lot about perseverance, and that's running the race. That's making, and even the whole—I mean, God has got a completion. If you think about uh, Philippians one, I guess it is that um, that He who began a good work in you will complete it. 
And so I think mental toughness is about completion, which comes back to that whole vision piece. And you were talking about visualizing it, having it in front of you, writing it down. There's a huge piece to that, that you are actually choosing to live your value um, rather than um, uh, rather than a preference or rather than how you feel a feeling. So you're living a value. And then I think the other piece is who you're listening to. And, um, and I think about Jesus being tempted, you know, and you think about listening to the voices of the enemy that would just simply sidetrack you, that would simply cause you to pause or to, to walk down a different path. Um, it's listening to the right voice in that as well. So I think there's just a lot of elements in that whole thing of mental toughness, but man, I really, I love, I, I've heard bits and pieces of the story, but I've not heard it, um, you tell it like that, so I appreciate that. I'm saving a little for a uh, comeback. Okay, yeah. there you go, there you go. <laughs> Part two. <laughs> Part yeah. two. Part yeah. two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a really good good conversation, yeah. certainly yeah. one that could go deeper and uh, in the conversation, but as always in terms of reimagining podcasts, really it's just the challenge of reimagining our daily lives. Yeah. And how is it that we're prepared uh, each day? We, we have a purpose, and how we wake up and we face that purpose or we prepare for that purpose we visually see what this day is going to look like, the gift that's been given me, and how that's going to play play itself out, right? And then how you carry yourself through it, good or bad, uh, the endurance and the perseverance into it um, is 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 a part of that, and not easy, but right. yet yeah. is so rewarding. Yeah. And what it's what we're called to live. Uh, so, Brian, I just want to thank you so much for taking time to be on the podcast today, and absolutely, um, certainly appreciate it. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. This is the other influence. Well, I love that. <laughs> a little song for you there. Yeah. Uh, so, as always, uh, thank you for joining us on the Reimagine Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Spotify, or Overcast and download any of the episodes and rate them. So, for Brad and Brian, I'm Greg. Thanks for listening to the Reimagine Podcast. <laughs>